It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast also heard... In Las Vegas on The Bet. So if you're listening to us on the radio, hope you're doing well. If you're listening to us on the podcast feed, thank you for subscribing. If you don't already subscribe, please do so. We would appreciate that very much. You can get it anywhere you get your audio. And joining me as usual is my broadcast partner, my friend, Mo Moten. Mo, how you doing, man? we got a great guest coming up here at the top of the show. I'm really excited to do it. Can't tell you how many people have asked me when are you guys going to have Ted win on the show. So <laughs> for the people out there who've been asking and been wondering, here you go. Yes. You ask, yeah. we deliver. That's right. That's what we do. We're in the, we're in the business of, of delivering guests who know a lot more than we do because that's, that's what we do. So we're, we're going to talk about breaking down Aiden O'Connell, some of the cornerbacks, and joining us, as Mo <laughs> mentioned, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. You can follow him on the X, Twitter, whatever we're calling it these days. At FB underscore film analysis, football analysis, of course. Ted, it's been a bit since we've talked to you. Thanks for coming back. We appreciate you being here. No problem. Uh, you guys are hyping, up, hyping me up too much. Now I got uh, a <laughs> lot to live up to now. But uh, thanks for guys. No, we, we appreciate it because I'll tell you, we, I learned so much watching your stuff. And, uh, and it's good to get into the, the technical side of things. I learned a lot from you. I've start, started to just watch a lot more breakdown stuff. So that as we talk about it here on the show, I at least know, at least from a surface level, what the heck I'm talking about, because sometimes it does get more complex. And of course, imagine this, the Raiders get a new starting quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, who I know you're very, very familiar with and have talked a lot about. And uh, the talk of camp is not him. The talk of camp is his backup, which I think he solidified the number two. And that, of course, is Aiden O'Connell. So we wanted to bring you on. You did some breakdowns of him after the last game. And I just want to start at the top because, you know, a lot of folks, we've been talking about him a lot, too. Both Mo and I have said, listen, this isn't a guy who's going to start for the Raiders. But as a backup quarterback goes and as a rookie goes, you have to be very encouraged with where he's at. When I look at his traits, when I look at reading defenses, the anticipation he has, uh, it, it's pretty stellar for a guy with no experience in the NFL. What I want to do is get your sense from a, the various high level. When you look at Aiden O'Connell through two preseason games, right? That's all we got to go on, playing pretty simple defenses. What impresses you most so far what you've seen? I love that he he's able to handle this offense, this um, pre-snap operation very smoothly. In this offense, it could be tough for even uh, veteran quarterbacks to handle. I mean, there's a lot of responsibility put on the quarterback. There's a lot of different checks and options he could go to before the snap. And I thought Aiden O'Connell has just looked extremely smooth doing it. 
I, I know the coaches are thrilled with how he's able to handle the huddle. And, you know, that's just very basic stuff, but he's done it at a high level for the Raiders. And then you see the poise that he's able to play with. Um, you know, he, he he's had pretty good protection in the preseason, uh, but I thought, you know, you see the little subtle pocket movements that you want to see for a pocket uh, type of quarterback because that's who he is. He's not a guy that's going to be running around and making second reaction type of plays. He's a guy that's going to be in a pocket. And if you're going to be a pocket quarterback, you have to have pocket toughness and you have to be able to move and navigate that pocket without panicking. I th- and I think he's done that pretty well in the preseason, although he hasn't had a ton of pressure to deal with. I thought when he had pressure, he, he he's dealt with it pretty well. And then the last thing is just his ball placement and accuracy. I mean, almost every single pass he's thrown in a preseason has been exactly where you want it. Um, you know, he's hit, hit receivers on a run. He's made deep passes, tight window passes, in, uh, and he's hit guys in stride. Um, I think, you know, if we're talking about negatives, um, I kind of – we want to see where his ceiling is. And, um, you know, we know that he has a, the traits to be – a, a backup. I think, you know, he's, he's going to be at least an operable quarterback in the league. But the question is, how high is the ceiling? And one negative that we've seen from him in this preseason is he, he has missed some deep passes. And I've seen that in practice as well. Um, and it could just be a timing issue. Maybe he has to work on timing with guys like Trey Tucker and that kind of deal. But it would be encouraging if you see him hit a few of those deep passes that he's missed. Ted, as far as Aiden O'Connell's pocket awareness, one thing I did tell Scott that impressed me, I don't know if it, you, you caught this, but there was one moment, I believe, in the first preseason game where pass rusher is coming at him, he pump fakes the ball, gets the, gets the defender to jump, and throws it away. I felt like most rookie quarterbacks take a sack there and take a loss there. Him having the awareness that he's not going to outrun a defender, he has to be a little more crafty in the pocket and do things like that to get the ball away and not take a big loss. I don't know if that was something that was on your radar, but other than that, I know you take pre-draft notes of these prospects. Is there anything that you've seen out of Aiden O'Connor that surprised you, or is this what you basically expected to see out of him in the preseason so far? Uh, I mean, I didn't have extremely high expectations for O'Connell. I did like his motion. I did like his accuracy and his willingness to uh, make big throws in uh, in the pre-draft process. But I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I watched, you know, 20 games of O'Connell or anything. Uh, I, I watched him briefly and, uh, you know, and I did see some tools there. Um, you know, I, he kind of went where I expected him to, which is kind of, you know, mid-round, uh, maybe a little higher than I, I thought he was going to go. Uh, but I, I just liked, you know, I, I like that his poise translates into the NFL game so far. He didn't have a lot of talent to work with at Purdue, but obviously, you know, this Raiders team has some receiver depth and he's been able to play with uh, some more talent, you know, in, in the time that he's played in during this preseason. Ted, I'll tell you, you talked about uh, his his ability and his mental adjustments, and that's where I've been really impressed with him. And one of the film that that plays you broke down was around the uh, the pass to Keelan Cole over the middle in the red zone. That's okay, we got dogs too. Um, and uh, that play where he was facing combo coverage, I think you said it was cover two on one side, cover four on the other against the Rams. And he looked, he had options. He had three three um, reads to be able to do, and he went to the middle. It wasn't the easiest one, but he found Keelan Cole there, and he made those split-second decisions. This is why I've argued, like, we're not here telling, giving the guy a yellow jacket after two preseason games, but from a mental adjustment period, 
It, I don't care if the v- defenses are vanilla. It's impressive to see a young quarterback do that, isn't it? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of these rookie quarterbacks around the league um, struggle to make those sort of mental adjustments and to stay poised, go through the reads. And, you know, I, I think the ability to recognize what is open in the NFL is it's not a given trait. You know, there's a lot of quarterbacks that would have passed up on that throw. But to understand that there is a window there, to understand the defender's leverage and that you can fit that pass in there if you throw it on time and in the right, uh, right location is a is a good trait to have. And it, it's not a given trait. We've seen some quarterbacks take a long time to develop this trait. So it, it is a good sign to see that O'Connell is able to do that at an early stage in his career. So full disclosure, Ted, I was critical of the pick Aiden O'Connell. I wanted the Raiders to get a more mobile quarterback because I felt like the evolution of the game and the position, you need a quarterback who could move a little bit more than Aiden O'Connell. And I agree, I agree with that sentiment, too. And, you know? and, and, and I was just kind of like, oh, man. And looking at Josh McDaniel's history, it, it kind of makes sense that he would get a, a more of a pocket-passing guy in there. But if you're looking at Aiden O'Connell and his traits, what makes him the fit? For Josh McDaniels' offense, so if, if a fan is looking at it as could Aiden O'Connell eventually be the starter if Jimmy Garoppolo fizzles out or gets hurt, is there hope that he could be that guy, a, a decent starter? Not necessarily a Pro Bowl player, an All Pro, but why does he fit this offense, and why could he be a starter for the Raiders in the future? I think he just he fits that classic New England mold of what they want in a quarterback as far as. Um, pocket movement, poise, ability to handle a lot as far as um, offense and pre-snap and, and accuracy and ball placement. And we've seen all those traits in a preseason. Um, you know, we, we like I said, we don't know where the ceiling is. You know, we'll, we'll have to see how he handles more pressure. We want to see him hit more deep passes. But as far as just a, tra- um, a traits evaluation, he hits all those markers that um, that, uh, uh, you know, a, a coach would want in that New England type of system. Yeah, encouraging. I mean, for a fourth rounder, we'll see if uh, it continues. And like you said, knowing the history of Jimmy Garoppolo, we've been saying it since they signed him, Ted, which is you, the chances that he plays all of the games this season are, are pretty slim based on history. Mm-hmm. So Aiden O'Connell might see some action uh, in the regular season, and maybe we'll get a sense for that ceiling you're talking about. Let's shift gears for the rest of the time we have with you. want to talk a little bit about the Raiders' defensive backfield, right? So the defensive backfield, I think, got a huge boost. Both Mo and I, uh, Mo is officially the the fan club president for Ja'Korian Bennett uh, since he was picked. Uh, but you look at Ja'Korian Bennett, who's banged up right now. You look at that young room there with Nate Hobbs, uh, Marcus Peters, of course, the, the veteran there now. Uh, what do you think overall of the Raiders and that defensive backfield? They've improved the defensive front, which we won't have time to talk about today, which is good. It takes some pressure off the back end. But how have you? what have you seen thus far through camp, through the preseason, that maybe, just maybe, this Raiders defensive backfield is much better than it was in the past? Yeah, I think on paper, it definitely looks like they've improved. And, I mean, we, you know, Marcus Peters has looked great in – practice he looks good in joint practices he's you know he's a ball hawk gets his hands on the ball but you know we we don't know how he's going to hold up in a regular season when he's going to be playing receivers that can run you know four three four two speed can he you know, keep up in 
and not get beat deep? Uh, I think that's a big question. I mean, we all know his smarts, but at the corner position on the outside, speed's important. And we, we have to see where his speed is and his athleticism is at this point in his career. But if he is a solid starter or better than a solid starter, then that take that take care of uh, one side of the field. And then, you know, you have to worry about the other side. And, you know, when I, you know, I've heard a lot of good things about Ja'Cory Bennett. Unfortunately, when I did get to watch them against the Rams, he was probably a little banged up at the point. So he wasn't getting a ton of reps with the number ones. Uh, but what I saw when he was playing the number twos and threes was he, he was locking them down. Like he was not giving them any space uh, to, to work with. So that's very encouraging. I mean, he's long, he's fast, he plays patient. Uh, so I, I'm pretty high on him too. Uh, we'll see if he ends up being a starter because starting at corner as a rookie is a tough thing to do. Uh, but we'll, we'll see if he ends up being the starter. I think he will end up being the starter. Uh, but I, I think there's some other options uh, that the Raiders have that um, could be solid, too. I think, you know, I like the Duke Shelley signing when he signed. I thought he's he's looked good in preseason so far. David Long has starting um, experience in the league. Uh, we, we know Faison has starting uh, experience in the league as well. So th- there are some options. And, and the good thing about having options outside is it puts Nate Hobbs in a nickel where he really thrives as well. So, you know, like I said, we'll see where Peters is at when the season starts. But he, I think he's going to be at least a, a solid starter. And then they have some good competition on the outside. And we'll see who emerges. I think Bennett will end up being the guy. And if you are able to get a rookie starting corner from the draft, that's always a great thing to have. Ted, before we let you out of here, I, gotta, I have to ask the linebacker question. Because that's, the, <laughs> that's been the big question since this offseason started. What are the Raiders doing at linebacker, and how comfortable are you with this linebacker core? Darian Butler goes on IR, so his season's over. I wrote a piece that I think Drake Thomas has a shot, the undrafted rookie out of, I believe, North Carolina State, to make the roster. I think his run fits and run defense pretty solid. Uh, what do you think about the linebacker group, and are you as nervous as I am about that unit? <laughs> uh, I think the defensive line is going to have to be really good. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've always liked Divine Diablo. I always thought, you know, it's, uh, when he, he got playing time later, rookie year I, I like the traits and potential there obviously it was hurt last year uh but i still have some hope that that diablo could um develop into a really good linebacker um but spillane I, you know he's looked good in in practice and camps reportedly uh but when i reached out to my steelers people about him when he was signed they did not have a lot of great things to say about him yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody loves him but uh, traits wise, you know, there's a reason why he was, you know, he, they let him go for nothing. So, a um, little worried there, you know, hopefully Splank can be a, 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 you know, average linebacker, but it, it's a very thin group af- after those two guys. So, it, it is a, uh, it's probably the the thinnest group on, on this Raiders team. Yeah, they're going to have, like you said, that, that, that defensive front's going to have to come through and, of course, Chandler Jones hasn't been to practice in 10 days, so we don't know where he's going to be. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch that. But make sure you follow Ted up on Twitter because his stuff he s- sends out is just fantastic. It's great. It's educational. Uh, it's at FB underscore film analysis. Ted Nguyen, The Athletic. Man, thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Ted. No problem. Thanks for having right. me on, guys. Talk to you later. Yep. Take care now. All right, there you go, Ted. Always great stuff, man. It's 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 phenomenal. I I, I sometimes in am in awe of of people like Ted who can get into the X's and O's so deeply. Now I know it's his job. That's what you'll say out there, 
But nonetheless, he breaks it down really easily for people to do it. And his Aiden O'Connell stuff, and as obviously, as he said, like everybody, like we've been saying on this show, hey, how high is the ceiling? We don't know. He's doing really, really well. He's got all the traits that make up a good NFL quarterback. We just don't know until we get a little bigger sample size. So first things first, one of Ted's recent pieces about how to look at one-on-one drills is very important for the people out there who yes. like to look at those viral videos. Take a look at that at that column because it'll tell you that you may not see what you're actually seeing or pro- the pros or coaches look at these one-on-one drills differently than we do from the outside. But th- the thing that stood out to me too, and, and I don't want to be negative, but he talked about Aiden O'Connell's deep ball accuracy. And that's one of the things that I – had a concern about coming into the draft process that yes he can throw deep but he's not the most accurate going deep and as ted just said there were some misses he had at practice going deep so i'm wondering yeah during the season if Aiden o'connell has to get some time are they going to rein him in not just not to tell him not to throw deep because if, if a guy's open you throw the ball down there 20 yards whoever it is especially if it's Devontae adams but i'm wondering if they kind of put a cap on him if he has to play in regular season to hey take care of the football don't make any mistakes throwing 20 yards down the field. Well, and it's interesting because with with O'Connell's deep ball, the first play of the last game against the Rams, he had a touchdown. And he threw the ball wide. It went way out of bounds. It was not even close. It was not a good pass. But then later in the game, uh, I think to Trey Tucker, he he throws a 25-yard in, right? A comeback. Trey Tucker goes down 25. Usually don't see those plays go that long. And he nails it, right? So so whatever it is, it's leading the receiver on the long routes. There seems to be some accuracy there, and it was something from college. Now, we've seen that with a lot of quarterbacks coming into the NFL, too, is they will be accurate, but then as they get those breakaway plays, as they are able to go downfield, sometimes they get a little wobbly. You don't know if it's feet, if it's, if it's um, nerves, or what it is, but there were two plays actually against the Rams that O'Connell missed that could have been touchdowns, really, if he would have been accurate on the ball. So everybody's got stuff to work on there, right, Mo? I mean, I, I think in the I last get preseason a game, you know, named after me, you already have one, <laughs> no, so I got to work out. No, I'm just kidding you. But but you know what I'm saying? You, 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 there has to be. He's a developmental project. He's a backup quarterback. He's maybe ahead of schedule in many ways, but that long ball is something you just got to work on. And I was just going to say, maybe I'm the belief of the belief system is uh, if, if there's something that you need to work on, work on it during the preseason when the games yes. don't count. Because, yeah, yeah you, you make a mistake and it looks bad on, on film, maybe, but you're not impacting the regular season, a, a team's playoff race or anything like that. So if, if a deep ball is something he has to work on, I'd want to see him throw five or six of them in the last preseason game against the Cowboys just so that he can get a feel for it on the pro level. Absolutely. All right, we're going to step aside for our first break. When we come back, Mo and I will be back. We're going to talk about some of the roster moves and other Raiders news. Obviously, later in the program, too, the last segment we devote to you, the Raider Mailbag segment's coming up to end the show. So don't go anywhere. You're with Mo. You're with Scott. This is Silver and Black Today. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the second segment of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Mo Moten, Scockle Branson with you. By the way, follow Mo on Twitter. He's lonely. No, I'm kidding. He's not lonely, but you need to follow him just because of his content and the conversation that ensues off Mo's Twitter handle. It's M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. Uh, Again, senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report. He's a busy this time of the year, just a little bit. And he's also the Raiders columnist up at sportsnot.com, which we're going to talk about his latest there in just a minute. You can also follow me on Twitter at LV Gully. You can also read me on Sportsnot. Yeah, we're all part of the same family. Mo and I chumming along on the web, writing stories. His are better than mine. It's okay. That's all right. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, I would say that. But no, it's good. It's all good. Uh, but I did do a piece on Michael Mayer yesterday. So check that out if you missed it. Because Michael Mayer spoke to the press yesterday, so we wrote up a little deal about it. So anyway, enjoy that. Uh, but again, I want to thank Ted Nguyen from The Athletic for joining us in the first segment, going through that film breakdown. I love Ted. He's so cool. Cool as a cucumber, as they say. Learn a lot from him. But some great takeaways there about, uh, and Mo, I, I think I sent this to you, but you heard about our new production assistant. Did You didn't have a chance. You were too busy on Wednesday to listen to the Silver and Black Blitz. But we have a new production assistant. His name is Finn O'Connor. And Finn recorded this for us. You want to hear it? Sure. ...is a flutter oh. over the lad who drops dimes and grows an impressive lip sweater. He's the Irish cannon, Aidan O'Connell. Have the Raiders found their pot of gold? All right, there you go. See? <laughs> That's Finn. He's from Ireland. <laughs> That's not Scott's me. always got some Scott's shenanigans is what I'm going to call this. This is yes. part of. Scott's he also recorded this for us. Just, just this is just a simple. Aiden O'Connell, the Irish cannon. There we go. Aiden O'Connell, the Irish cannon. All right. Okay, enough of the stupid. <sighs> you never person. know. You never know what Scott's got up his sleeve. I try to be goofy sometimes, but anyway, let's get back to what we're talking about. So, so Ted, there, his stuff about Aiden O'Connell. Good stuff. The cornerback position. I mean, I, I hope the the listeners and the viewers on YouTube enjoyed that because you know we always try to bring good guests on that give a different point of view. People don't always like the point of view that our guests bring on. That's totally cool, but we're always going to bring them on. But in this case, it's it was good because I think from Ted we got the real the real objective view of Aiden O'Connell, which I think you and I have been on board with and pretty close to. Minus my minor trolling on. Twitter X, however you want to call it. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've taken part in the Aiden O'Connell is the best quarterback in AFC West. Oh, he's going to be Patrick Mahomes' rival this year. I've taken part in the trolling, but I would hope people understand that I am trolling and being sarcastic with those type of comments. But no, as you said, with with Ted, he I like the fact that he brought in not just the positives, but he also talked about the concerns, about the sure. deep ball. You know, and it, it's not talked about a lot. I guess he gets caught in a wash because he's playing so well. So I think I said this last week. When things are going well, when teams win, it's hard to point out the concern areas. 
when a team loses, gets crushed, it's hard to point out the positives on the opposite end. So Good point. we bring guests like Ted on to give us the full, complete picture. Funny story, not a story, but just an anecdote. I remember watching Ted when Scott Baer was covering the Raiders for NBC yes. Sports. And Scott used to always have like a, a post-practice interview with Ted. And I always learned a lot from those post-practice interviews with Ted because he's always very thorough in his analysis. Yes. And I, I told him via dm he's got he like he's got to write a book i think he's the kind of guy who i think we could his his 101 column that's up there now i think he did a video too like football 101 understanding football from your couch or whatever it's called um is a great one by the way i think you mentioned it in the last broadcast uh, or the last segment i should say mo but a good stuff if you want to learn some of the x's and not all not all fans do and that's cool you don't have to you don't have to dive deep into it but if you enjoy it and you want to learn how to call out defenses and see what the offensive scheme is doing and all that uh, I highly recommend reading his stuff. Mo, we talked about the defensive backs, but what I want to do now, up on sportsnot.com, and I'm put this up on the screen for those of you uh, watching on uh, YouTube or wherever else you're watching us, uh, and Mo's column or piece on Sportsnot, he went into the Mostradamus mode, and he selected his 53-man depth chart predictions based on the first two weeks of the preseason. So we're going to run through that a little bit because I think you have some interesting takes here. And I know people who've read it have been already calling you out on Twitter. No, not that guy. No, not this guy, which is natural for football, right? Um, so so we get that. But we want to walk through some of these and talk about a way to do. And we'll start with quarterback because that's a fast conversation. Jimmy Garoppolo, Aiden O'Connell, number two, and Briar, Brian Hoyer, number three. A lot of people want Brian Hoyer cut, Mo, but you and I agree on the value that he provides in that locker room. Yeah, I think a lot of people are forgetting that the NFL implemented the emergency third quarterback role or position. So basically, after if you remember the San Francisco 49ers conference championship game, Brock Purdy gets hurt. Josh Johnson gets hurt. So basically, Brock Purdy had to go back out there with a, with a torn UCL in his elbow and mm. play out the game, even though he couldn't throw the football. NFL doesn't want to see that in playoff games or games, <laughs> period. period. So now they've in implemented the emergency third quarterback rule, which means you can have an emergency third quarterback ready on game day. That player won't count against the 46-man roster on game day, but he has to be on your 53-man roster. Right. So that guy has to make it through final cut. So with the Raiders, if you're choosing between Brian Hoyer and Chase Garbers, it's going to be Brian Hoyer because of his <laughs> experience and knowledge of Josh McDaniel's system, even though a lot of the Raider fans are probably screaming at me and say, but Brian Hoyer sucks, Chase Garbers upside, yada, yada, yada. I told you from the beginning, Chase Garbers is not going to start an NFL game this year, probably won't even make the roster. It's going to be Garoppolo, followed by Aiden O'Connell, followed by Brian Hoyer being the third emergency quarterback on game day. Yeah, only way I see that changing is if Hoyer decides he doesn't want to be number three and retires. But he's close with Josh McDaniels. If I just have to sit there with a clipboard for the entire season, hopefully for him, and make that money, I'll do it in a second. So I'm sure he would too. Uh, and he can, in essence, be a coach, a player coach, like Reggie Dunlop. If you know what that movie is, I'll give you a dollar. All right. So there you go. That's quarterbacks. Nothing real interesting there dollar. for you. What's that? A dollar, Guess I won't yes. be getting that dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we go to running backs. And, of course, this considers uh, Josh Jacob playing on his $10.1 million tender, which we all think he will. But, Mo, you have Josh Jacobs. You have Jacob Johnson. 
Zamir White, Amir Abdullah, and Brandon Bolden. Uh, no real surprises for me here. The invisible, I think we think he's in a character, Brittain Brown. I don't know that he actually exists because I've never seen him. But no, I'm kidding. But um, this isn't a surprise here, too. Nothing really that you've gone out on a limb on this one. No, and there was no room to go on a limb. You mentioned Britton Brown, and it's you haven't seen him because he's been hurt. Vinny Bonsignor tweeted this on August 5th that he had a lower body issue. Mm-hmm. And since then, they haven't reported that he's been seen at practice. So I, I think Britton Brown's probably going to go on IR. Unfortunately, he was the guy that I was looking for to see if he can kind of get some carries this regular season because I liked what he did last year in the preseason, but it just hasn't been able to play. So there are no surprises at the running back position behind Josh Jacobs, assuming he's back because Vinny Bonsignor and Josina Anderson have said this optimism that the Raiders feel that Josh Jacobs will be back before week one. So, again, no surprises there. It, it, it's probably all mapped out, unless unless the Raiders decide to cut Brandon Bolden, but I I don't see that happening simply because he's close. With, I don't want to say close to Josh McDaniels, but he's played a lot of years in Josh McDaniels' system. Yeah. He's a core special teamer. He's a leader in that locker room. I don't see him going anywhere. So the, the running back position is pretty much set in stone. Yeah. And I think from a short yardage situation point of view, too, I think he's still effective there. So uh, we'll mm. see it. Now, if we go to wide receiver, as we look at uh, Mo's story up on Sports Knot, you have the starters, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, Hunter Renfro. Maybe you should have put an asterisk next to that one. Um, and then backups, DeAndre Carter, Trey Tucker, and Philip Dorsett. Um I don't see any big surprises here to me, Mo. I think this is pretty close based on the performance through two weeks. I mean, the Hunter Renfro one, we're starting to see now in the NFL, and you and I were talking before, just before we went on air about the New York Jets and their situation. They're getting desperate for why You start to see teams now as you head towards the regular season. As we talked about six weeks ago, they're going to need a receiver. They might overpay or pay a lot to get a guy like Hunter Renfro. The Raiders have a deep wide receiver room. If he stays, absolutely, he's a starter. But this could be that time where we start to see some movement there. And if there is interest out there in Hunter Renfro, he could be gone pretty soon. Yeah, my my buddies over there in Gang Greenland, the Jets fans are getting a little antsy after Corey Davis retired on Wednesday, and they wanna they want a slot wide receiver because they traded Elijah Moore to the Browns earlier this offseason. Corey Davis, as I said, now retired. They're looking for wide receiver help behind Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard, and they're talking about, hey, why don't the Jets go out and get Hunter Renfro? Remember, Aaron Rodgers basically restructured his contract to give the Jets a lot of cap flexibility, so they have the means, they have the they have the room to acquire or absorb a big contract wide receiver position. So we'll see. I'm not saying that the Rays are going to trade Hunter, Hunter Renfro to the Jets, but if it were to happen, I wouldn't be surprised. Right, and the backups you have there, DeAndre Carter, you and I talked about him on Tuesday because of his special teams. You talk about if you're going to be fourth, fifth, or sixth wide receiver, you got to contribute in other ways. And and certainly DeAndre Carter has that. He almost broke that punt back for a touchdown had he not stepped out of bounds. And then Trey Tucker, of course, a draft pick, a developmental player who they're going to, they believe in and has flashed some great, great ability. We've seen it. And then Philip Dorsett, who's also valuable on special teams and is a veteran. So I think that rounding out that group, that's a veteran group. It's not like outside of Trey Tucker, you don't have a lot of youth. I should say youth. You don't have first, Mm -hmm. second year players there. You got guys who've been around, who know what it's all about. And that's great for Jimmy Garoppolo. It's definitely great for Jimmy Garoppolo. But one thing I will say is when I did my Bleach Report live stream, a lot of people were in favor of keeping Keelan Cole. 
right? Mm. And I pointed out something that I, I don't know if you and Murph talked about this before I got on on the post game show, but Keelan Cole is playing deep into the fourth quarter. Usually that's not a good sign. Usually that's not a good sign for you making the 50-man roster when you're playing late in the fourth quarter in a game where the starters are getting reps at the beginning of the game. Because usually, I think I said this last week, it used to be the third preseason game was the dress rehearsal for the regular season. It seems like it's now the second game since they cut off one preseason game. And to see Keelan Cole out on the field in the fourth quarter, it leads me to believe that he's on the bubble and they allow him to audition himself to the other 31 other teams. And, and I understand fans' reaction to Keelan Cole because he performs well. He had the nice play in the red zone that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. with Ted with from Aiden O'Connell. Makes some nice catches, but that's kind of it. I mean, with all due respect to him, it's kind of it. He doesn't offer he doesn't offer that special teams contribution that you were talking about with with the other three. So you're right. When it's a crowded room, guess what? You're, if you don't have some dynamism to you, if you don't have another opportunity to contribute you're probably going to find a door and maybe he'll catch on somewhere. I, I actually think last year the Raiders kept five our receivers. I think they're going to keep six this year. If DeAndre Carr is the, is the special team, is the kick return specialist, kick punt return specialist, yeah. and he's not much of a wide receiver, I can see them keeping Philip Dorsett because he offers that speed that Trey Tucker can offer, but he's more reliable at this stage in his career because he's a veteran. Trey Tucker, as yeah. we saw, still has those drops. So if you want a veteran, speedy wide receiver who's reliable, you're going to lean on Philip Dorsett in that sense. Right, and I also think you'll see Trey Tucker involved in that kick game, too. Yeah. I think he'll be working in mm-hmm. with DeAndre Carter as a as a mentor there. That'll be fantastic for him. So, All right, so now we're going to move on, and we'll show you Moe's next picks here. Tight end, starter, Austin Hooper. I know a lot of people are going to get upset about this one because everybody's, oh, Michael Mayer, Michael Mayer. But as I wrote about on Sports Not yesterday, which we talked about on the show last time, Michael Mayer's doing well, but he's going to need a couple weeks. You don't. You have a former Pro Bowler in Austin Hooper sitting there, and I think you you don't put the pressure on the rookie unless he's just completely balling out and a freak of nature, which I think he is athletically. But as he, he talked about yesterday at the press conference or, or Monday on the press conference, and I wrote about in the piece, um, he's learning a lot. It's a complex offense, so I give him three or four weeks before he starts putting up maybe some numbers and really feeling comfortable. And the coaches feel comfortable with him until he maybe can move into that tight end one role. But Austin Hooper there and Cole Fotheringham, I thought, has had a great preseason and a great camp. Uh, Those are the three tight ends. Talk about them. Yes, I agree with you there. A lot of people are going to say, put Michael Mayer out there, put the rookie out there. He's the better player. And and I'll push back on that a little bit and say, look, He'll be out there with Austin Hooper and two tight end sets right. at the beginning of the season. He'll be more of, of a pass catcher early. I think he'll, you know, he'll refine his blocking abilities. And he'll be able to get on the field a lot more in that sense. But as far as the complete tight end, Austin Hooper is that right now, and he's the veteran. But I wouldn't be worried about Michael Mayer's role just because he's listed as a backup. He's going to get a fair amount of of snaps playing tight end as a pass catcher. Cole Fathering, as you said, reminds me of what Jesper Horstead was last year in the preseason. Mm. Jesper Horstead, you, Murph, and I talked a lot about Horstead last year, how he played well in the, in the exhibition. That was Cole Fatheringham this year. The first game, more of a pass catcher, I believe five catches, 71 yards. The second game, more of a blocker. So, and I, and he, I think he excelled in both areas. So as a tight end, you got to be able to catch and block if you're going to be a complete guy. Cole Fatheringham has shown that. He's definitely, to me, I wouldn't say definitely, but I, I, I'd say he's going to make the roster. There you go. On to offensive line. Starters, Colton Miller on the left tackle. Dylan Parham, right, a left guard. Andre James at center. Greg Van Rotten at 
right guard, and Jermaine Illuminor at right tackle. The backups, Justin Heron, McClendon Curtis, and Thayer Munford Jr. I think some people, because Munford Jr. has played so well, are forgetting about Jermaine Illuminor and what he's been able to do over the last year and a half and improve himself. And I agree. I don't think you're going to go in as, as great as Thayer's played. I don't think you're going to go in with him as a starter. I think you have the starters nailed here. Haran is the surprise, I think, of that group. Uh, Curtis is a, is a solid guy as well. And I think Van Rotten at, at right guard is the right move as well because he's experienced and he is uh, weather weatherproof, if you want to call it. And I think with Jimmy G back there, they need that. But this is, to me, their best starting line that they have, they can field. Rewind the silver and black tape, tape today tape. I talked about Greg Van Roten when the Raiders signed him. He was kind of an underrated signing, but I said I watched him with the Jets. I watched him with the Bills. I called it right away that he was going to win the right guard job because Alex Bars to me, just not a starting caliber player, more of a backup utility guy. I don't even have Alex Bars making a roster. He was cut last year. Right. I think the Raiders picked him up out of desperation because, remember, John Simpson hadn't panned out for the Raiders. Richie Incognito retired, so they had limited options at guard, so they picked up Alex Bars to kind of fill a hole in that offensive line. They kind of filled that void, not with top picks, but Van Roten, I think, is, is serviceable. He's not going to be a long-term guy. He's into his, he's a decade into his career about that. Yeah. And then I have McClendon Curtis making a roster because of his experience at right guard. He has, I believe, 30 mm-hmm. starts at right guard at Chattanooga. He has yeah. about seven starts at left tackle and I think one at right tackle or right guard, one of the two. I mean, right, left guard. But left guard. he's he's very experienced at, at the right guard position. And I talked about this before. The Raiders have a tendency of moving guys around Playing, at a, playing them at a position they didn't play at at college, that wouldn't be a problem with McClendon Curtis. Played a lot of right guard. Oh. I think, although he's not going to start, I think he makes the roster over Alex Bars. There you go. So the offensive line, uh, and I think I, I feel pretty good about the Raiders' offensive line and the rotational guys they have there should they need them. We go to the defensive line now, Mo, and this is one that we've been watching closely throughout the preseason because it's it, it, they've done such a great job. But you look at the starters here. If you're watching on the screen, you can see the story and the list. Starters, Max Crosby, duh. Bilal Nichols, Mm -hmm. Jerry Tillery, and Chandler Jones. Uh, Chandler Jones, if he's healthy, no doubt about it. Backups, Tyree Wilson, Byron Young, Neil Farrell Jr., Malcolm Kuntz, Matthew Butler, and Jordan Willis. Jordan Willis could be starting at that end if Chandler Jones is back. Or Malcolm Kuntz could be starting at that end. I know everybody wants Tyree Wilson to play away. We've been saying it for weeks and weeks here. It's probably going to be week three or four until he's really going to get pick up some snaps. He might get some snaps here and there early on, but don't expect him to contribute. You still you still on board with that? Yeah, I'm definitely still on board with that. He didn't. He was at the second preseason game against the Rams, but he didn't suit up. But he was on the field before, which means he's probably going to play in that last preseason game. That's that's one of the main things I'm going to be looking at in that last preseason game because you're going to see a lot of third stringers and guys who are probably not going to make the roster. I want to see how Tyree Wilson looks coming off that injury, and I, and I think it'll be a a bit of an indication of how much he's going to play in the first month of the season. So I'll be looking out for that. But back to your point about the defensive end spot. As you mentioned, Chandler Jones, been nicked up, not at practice. So if he's not ready to go, it's going to be Malcolm Coons and or Jordan Willis. And that's why I have Jordan Willis making a roster. He's, I think he's made a statement in the preseason to make the roster. He's a veteran. And while he's not Chandler Jones or Max Crosby, 
he's a decent fill-in for the for the short term. I I would probably prefer to see Malcolm Kuntz simply because he was a third round pick. Yeah, and there's been a lot of buzz about him this offseason. and he looks like a much better player than last year when the Raiders barely put him on the field. <laughs> so I'm interested to see Malcolm Kuntz if Chandler Jones is not ready to go week one. Yeah, it looks like Malcolm Kuntz, it's just clicking for him. Whether it's going to be enough, I think it's enough to make the roster. Mm-hmm. In fact, I oh, think he's definitely. played his way on this roster, exactly. and that's why they're surprised by it, but it's a good surprise, mm-hmm. right? Because, like you said, they didn't play him a lot last year, didn't see something that they liked there, but he obviously has put in the work in the offseason and in the preseason, and that's led to good things, so very, very good. And I, I just love what's happening with that line right now. The, the unknowns, obviously, with Wilson and with Jones, but those will come along. It, one, one, one quick note, Matthew Butler was a tough call for me because I think mm-hmm. he can actually get waived. Matthew Butler hasn't shown much of anything. If, yeah. if Adam Butler shows out in the last preseason game or if Isaac Rochelle, who had a big first game against the yeah. uh, 49ers, mm-hmm. if, if Isaac Rochelle is healthy because he didn't play in that second game, so they might have held him out. If he shows out again, Matthew Butler could be in trouble. He was the fifth-round pick last year. And it was the fifth-round pick, but remember, they had a condensed draft class, and he was one of their early picks, I guess you Correct. could say. Correct. Yes, yes. Interesting stuff, yeah. It's it's a big mm-hmm. game coming up Saturday. We'll we'll uh, we'll continue to talk about it. All right, at linebacker. 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 Which I, um, which I had to ask Ted about linebacker <laughs> before you left here. Yes, it was a good, good, good <laughs> add on the questions there. Starters, Divide Diablo, Robert Spillane. No surprise there on a very thin, thin core. Backups are Curtis Bolton, Amari Bernie, and Drake Thomas. Of course, uh, this means Murph will disown you because of no Luke Masterson. Actually, uh, Murph has moved off the Luke Masterson boy crush and uh, is is no longer there. But this this group, uh, you talked about Curtis Bolton. You've been talking about him. You also talked about Drake Thomas coming out of the last game and how well he showed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this unit, again, very average or maybe even below. But below. if Drake <laughs> Thomas... Or one of these guys can actually, Amari Bernie, another guy, we liked him a lot last year. If one of those guys takes that next step, you know, unexpectedly, and and that's what they're going to need here. I mean, they're going to need that out of one of these guys. And maybe it's Diablo. Maybe he finally gets his time and he shines. We haven't seen it so far in the preseason, but you never know what's going to happen. But this group still scares me, Mo. It scares me too, and that's why I had to ask Ted about the group and what he thought, and he kind of agrees with us. It's very thin. Like him, I like Devon Diablo too. Devon Diablo was the one draft pick that I nailed in that draft class that I was correct on. I nailed Mm -hmm. exact round and everything. I like Devon Diablo. My thing is, what if Devon Diablo gets hurt, or what if he's not the player that he becomes that you expect him to become? What are your other options? You got to have a plan B, and it can't be Robert Spillane because he's not a three down (laughs) defender. And I, I, while I like Amari Bernie, he is a six-round rookie. So right. I, I think by the time we 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 talk again, it's a bit, it's a good possibility that the Raiders are going to make a move for a linebacker. I'm not breaking news here. I don't have any inroads. I don't have any sources. Just looking at the the depth chart, I, I think they still have to make a move for a veteran, whether it's a trade, whether it's a trade or free agent signing. Because let's remember, they tried to, they brought in Jalen Smith, but he wound up going to the Saints. So it's clear yeah. to me that they're interested in a veteran linebacker. It could be yeah. Kyle Van Noy, in my opinion. Patrick Queen. Did you hear that? Patrick Queen? I, I've Where tried. Is he? Come on. I, you've, you've exhausted I've tried. And they're, they're, they're not listening to me on the Patrick Queen they're stuff. They're not. Unless they're, just wait, unless they're just waiting to cut down day, which is Tuesday, August 29th. We'll see. 
last last quick or or quick deal at the very end. <laughs> you never know. Okay. On to uh, finally cornerbacks. We look at cornerback starters, Marcus Peters. That's a no-brainer. Nate Hobbs and Tyler Hall. So you have your guy, Ja'Korian Bennett, as a backup, along with Sam Webb and Duke Shelley. Ted agreed with Duke Shelley, Sam Webb. We both like the way they've played in the preseason. Talk about Tyler Hall over Ja'Korian Bennett at this point. Well, if you read the reports, and I believe it's on the screen there. I believe it's on the screen there. Our guy, Jesse, our guy, Jesse over there, one of our TV guys in Las Vegas, had the tweet up. Jesse Merrick, yeah. Jesse Merrick had the the post up. And basically, Joshua Daniels said that he held out some guys, including Ja'Korian Bennett, because he's feeling the nicks and bruises from camp. So what that tells me is he may not be ready to go full throttle week one. So he's probably, if he's still banged up, not going to start, which opens up a spot in the secondary. And I think you want your best guys out there in nickel. And while I want Nate Hobbs to play in the nickel, I totally agree with the people who say move Nate Hobbs back to the slot. I totally agree with you. But I think I pointed this out in the postgame show. Tyler Hall has played a lot in the slot. Yes. He's played, played both safety positions. Yeah. So if I can have Nate Hobbs and Tyler Hall on the field at the same time, I'm fine with that. Now, I know some people say, well, put Duke Shelley out there. Duke Shelley, you know... I know he played outside last year with the Vikings, but a little small. <laughs> you know, I yeah. th- you know there could be some you know matchup issues there. I I, I like the way Tyler Hall has been playing the preseason. It's kind of been under the radar, mm-hmm. interestingly, but I think he's had a pretty solid preseason. So if you want Nate, if you want Nate Hobbs on the field and you don't necessarily want to plug him into just the slot role, you can play him outside and have Tyler Hall playing the nickel until Jacorian Bennett comes back, and then when Jacorian Bennett comes back, you move Nate Hobbs back to the slot. Thanks, Coach. We got it. <laughs> yes. uh, hey, look, Patrick no, Graham, hit me up. I, I'll take. I'll, I'll be a defensive backs coach, Patrick Graham. If you want to hit me up, right. my number's out. I won't tell, tell, say my number on air, but one eight hundred town mo. One hundred. I'm definitely available to to coach the defensive backs. He'll even quick, send quick you side it. story. When I was in high school, I wanted to be Charles Woodson so much, so yeah. badly, but I knew I didn't have the height for it. But I look. I love defensive back play. I, I would drop everything I'm doing right now to coach Raiders defensive backs if I had an opportunity. There you go. Don't tell Bleacher Report, though. Don't tell Bleacher Report. We won't tell. Shh. (laughs) Nobody say anything. Nobody tweet at him. Okay. (laughs) So we get to safeties finally to close it out here. And starters Marcus Epps, Trayvon Merrig, backups Chris Smith, and Roderick Teamer. So this one, I got to be honest with you. Out of uh, the, the... Polo Mao is a guy the fans love, so they're going to be disappointed with you that that you that you did that. Now you talk about how the fact Tyler Hall can play as a safety as well, so they have something covered there. But I got to tell you, Mo, this I just have no feeling or gauge on this group because part of the preseason we haven't heard a lot of coming out of camp. There's been nothing from all the guys and gals who covered the team really much about the safeties. They hear a little report here and there. But in the preseason, you know, you talk about playing vanilla defense. Well, offenses, too, aren't showing you everything. And so I don't I have not seen a lot of testing of the safeties of the Raiders. Now, maybe against Dallas, we see some. I'd like to see some just so I can feel something about it. But I have no idea. I mean, I I look at your list here and I think, yeah, it makes sense. But I have no idea. I just don't know how to evaluate them at this point. 
the safeties haven't popped this offseason. No. They just had you you heard about the cornerbacks. Just talk about maybe linebackers are better than we thought than we think with Curtis Bolton, Mari Bernie. There's buzz about just about every position on the roster except the safety position. The only thing I've really heard about the safety group is that Marcus Epps has become the field general yeah. of the secondary. So it may, it may, it it makes it less likely the Rays are going to re-sign Deron Harmon. Yeah. Because if Marcus Epps is that veteran leader on 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 the back end, that was Deron Harmon last year. Yeah. So that's what we're hearing that he has control of that type of kind of a captain role there. We're just waiting to see if Trayvon Merrick, that's the big thing. Can he bounce back off of a down year and be the player we saw as a rookie where he showed flashes? Yeah. Now, a lot of people push back on me and say, put in Isaiah Polamau. Our guy, Rock Raider 585, says, no, put in Isaiah Polamau over Roderick Teamer. And I tried to explain it in the piece that Roderick Teamer is a core special teamer. Like yeah. he is one of the top special teams guys on that roster. I don't see him being expendable because of his rookie, his veteran, I want to say leadership, but his veteran experience. And as I said, with the wide receiver position, if you are a back end guy, you have to be able to contribute a lot on special teams. And that's what Roger Teamer does. Where I could see Isaiah Paula Miles sneaking onto the roster is if they want to use him as kind of like a hybrid linebacker safety. So let's say the let's say Drake Thomas doesn't make the roster or Curtis mm-hmm. Bolton or or Amari Bernie for some reason doesn't make the final roster at linebacker. I could see Isaiah Paula Miles because he's a bigger safety. He's like you six go, yeah, four. you go that hybrid position. Exactly. Right. He he could play that hybrid role. So that's where I could see him playing or getting onto the roster, but I don't see him being one of the safeties kept. Although he did have the pick six. Other than that, what has he done to really jump off the screen? I, I agree, 100%. And, and again, the whole unit, I, 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 I hope in this game on Saturday we see something. There's just nothing there. I can't say I don't like them. I can't say I like them. I just don't know. It's, it's very odd. Uh, and, of course, the special teams are all the same, except that you have the long snapper as Hunter Renfro. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you guys, make sure you go up to sportsnot.com. You can go to Mo's Twitter handle. He's got the story linked there. Uh, but you can you can check that out and read all the, of the pros around all of this if you want some more details on his picks. Quick thing, the one, we, one thing we didn't talk about that we kind of glossed over is I don't have Amig Robinson on the roster. And... I think yes. I explained this on the post-game show on Bleach Report Live yes. that, unfortunately, Amik Robinson, he allowed a big catch for 24 yards in the first preseason game, missed the tackle, had an opportunity to get an interception in the second game against the Rams, didn't, didn't hold in the interception. Yeah. He's had an up-and-down preseason, and I think that with the addition of Marcus Peters and Ja'Korian Bennett, it pushes out Amik Robinson, unfortunately. He's been on it- the show great guy but just great not going to make it this year. Yeah, I think I think they'll try to put him on the on the practice squad as a reserve, right? Uh and whether or not somebody picks him off, we'll see. Um depends how how desperate somebody said I think it was uh on uh another show I was on Murph show actually. We were watching last night on uh, Raiders Fan Radio and somebody's like, "Oh, well, can't we trade him?" It's like <laughs> There's not a much of a yeah, market really. you could get. There's a lot of guys with all due respect to me cuz like you said, we like the guy but there's a lot of kids, a lot of guys, young players in that same kind of realm that you can get on the street, especially after the first cutdown. So we'll see. But but uh, tough cuts there. But overall, Mo, great job on that. We certainly appreciate it. Make sure you go read it up on sportsnot.com. Okay, we're going to step aside for our final break, and it's that time of the week, which means it's time for the Raider Nation mailbag. A couple of pieces of mail this week as well as a couple uh, things that we pulled off of Twitter as well, and a Facebook comment from Tuesday night. Somebody wanted to see something I have, and I will 
show you that. Is it is this PG rated? PG rated? Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, it's only it's only above the chest. We're we're family. It's good. Whether I have pants on or not is a different story. And I (laughs) do. I don't. I have shorts on. But anyway, we're gonna step aside for this break. We're devolving here. What's going on? We're a family show. Junior, cover your ears. All right, we're coming back right after these words. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. You know what time it is. It's time for the home stretch here on Silver and Black today. An Odyssey original podcast. I'm Scott Branson, along with my co-host, Mo Moten. We're back. We're here to close out the show with the mailbag. But first, Mo, I got a press release uh, on Wednesday. Okay? It's got nothing to do with any food. But it, it starts this way. I got to read this to you. I'm reading it off my phone here. Um, so I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to show you some imagery, because there's some imagery. And yes, it's, 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 rated P, it's rated G. Rated G. It says, hello, football fans rejoice. Mattel is excited. You know Mattel, the toy company? Mm-hmm. Right? You know who they are? Mattel uh, is excited to announce mm-hmm. the launch of the Mo Moten Little People Collection. No, I'm just kidding. Stop it's it. the NFL Little People Collector Series, including an exclusive set designed for the Las Vegas Raiders fans. A must-have for any diehard fan. This exclusive set will be displayed in a commemorative package and feature NFL players and super fans as little people figures. The Little People Collector sets are now available for pre-order at MattelCreations.com for 25 bones. Ready? So I'm going to flash this. If you're watching us on the screen, if you're listening to us, you can't see it, but you can go up and I'll tweet it out. But check this out. I'm going to put the flow, flow this right in front of us here. Look at this. Little people, dude. Look at that. I think the one second from left is you. <laughs> I'm a little lighter skin complexion than the one from, a, from yeah, the second left. True. I'm kind of, you know, a little shade lighter maybe. Yeah. But we can get a, we can get a, a, a Mo Moten figure. You know? Oh, well, look Ke- at Kelly Kreiner, get on that. So there it's in a box for those of you listening and you can go see this on our YouTube channel or, or up on uh, Rumble or Twitter or Twitch, wherever you want to watch us. It, but it says just win baby. It's got the Raider logo. It's the little people collector set and it's got four little people, two in the Raider uniforms, one home Jersey, one away Jersey. Then it's got the one on the far right. I think that's a, a woman, a female with a headband on and on the far left is a guy with a Raiders Raider nation cap on with a painted face. Right? So here's a close up, Mo. Let me put this down so you can see it. Yeah, that, uh, is, a, yeah. that is a female. Yeah. That's good. That represents yeah. the female fans. So there you go. It's got the, the face paint, everything. Look at these little people. I, I, I know just, what I'm getting my, my younger cousin for Christmas now. See, there if you I go. Try to convert him to a Raider fan. I know what to do. There you go. So I just wanted to share that. They sent that to me. I did, for all the listeners and viewers out there, I did send a reply to them saying, hey, hey, send us some. We'll give them away to our viewers and our listeners. So hopefully we get some. We'll give some. Maybe you can have a a nice gift. Put them on your dashboard or give them to your kids. Throw them at Chiefs fans. I don't know. We figured it out. (laughs) Chiefs fans. The other thing I wanted to do at the top was, so on YouTube the other night, we got, it wasn't a question, but you know, oh, my sign, and look at this, my sign is falling off my wall here. I have to get a different hook there. Anyway, so because of this sign, I'm pointing to the, Ra- we're having Raiders neon sign on my set here where we do the show. 
No, which is now a little crooked. It's bothering me. Um, but anyway, <laughs> one of our one of our viewers, Tropical Remy, Tropical Remy, who's always in the chat, joked. He said, "Hey, where's your your neon Van Halen sign? Because you know I'm a Van Halen. I'm a huge Van Halen fan." And I said, "Oh, my guitars are on the other wall because in my studio on the other wall is a bunch of Van Halen stuff." And so I told him I would show him some of my stuff on the next show, Mo. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show him. I'm gonna zoom out a little bit here. I can do this. Yeah, I can figure this out if my, if my fingers will work. Um, to show them some of my my Van Halen guitars. So, so I'm going to show. This is for you, Tropical Remy. That's my 5150 right there, as you can see. Uh, no, I'm not going to play for you right now. Why not? I'm very, I'm very rusty. I am working on the Mo Moten love theme. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it's all it's all twanging guitar. And then uh, Remy, here's the other one. This is the the kind of 78 original. Anyway, so there you go. So there's my, so, so I, you know, want to give, want to give the viewers what they ask for. What they, what they ask for. Yeah. That's what they ask for. So let's bring Mo back on here. So I'm not just here alone. Uh, so there you go. So that's the first two. I know it's not technically mailbag, but it is because, you know, listeners ask us and stuff like that. So we talk little people on Van Halen guitars. So what are we talking about? Football? Yeah. Okay. So let's get to the mailbag, Mo. Uh, this one comes from another viewer on YouTube who took my advice and sent in a piece of mail as well. This is from Raider Worm 1. Raider Worm 1. He says, what's up, downtown Scott and Midtown Mo? It's Emmanuel, a.k.a. Raider Worm from Sacramento. I love the show and the, years, the year-long Raiders content. I've been listening to you guys since 2019 on Raider Nation Radio when I couldn't decide if I should listen to Scott and get Dr. Jen Bars... <laughs> Or Q's built bars. So I bought both. <laughs> so if you guys go, I have to explain that a little bit. When I was on, when I had my daily show, I was right on after JT the Brick in the afternoons. And I had a sponsor, Dr. Jen's Nutrition Bars, that, which were unbelievable. And Dr. Jen and Andrew out in Vegas, they're still viewers and listeners. So shout out to them uh, and their product. Uh, so we used to have sponsor for that. And then Q on his podcast had built bars. So that's, that's what Emmanuel's referring to about that but he says uh my question is do you guys think there will ever be a time when nfl would let running backs get drafted out of high school so the player would play more in their prime and get a good second contract or maybe put running backs on a run count kind of like they have pinch counts on pitchers in major league baseball thanks by the way mo i don't mind at all catch up on my hot dog sometimes Amen. Ah, so automatically, name him, his name is Manuel, right? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Yes. Emmanuel is end. a Hall of Fame listener just off oh. of that comment alone. Thank you, Emmanuel, Raider Worm 1, whatever you want to be called. That is an excellent comment. Forget everything That's else so in that email. The fact that he puts ketchup on his hot dog <laughs> and he's fine with that is excellent. Well, he didn't tell no, us he, he might be 13. <laughs> I doubt it. Raider Worm he, might be 13. No, no, stop it. That is not, no. Raider Worm, you broke my heart, man. You broke my heart. But anyway, his question about <laughs> NFL running backs. Um, coming out of high school, look, they don't let any football players come out of high school. You see it in college basketball only. Every other NCAA sport except for baseball. And in baseball, just for knowledge purposes, in baseball, you either have to come out right after high school but as soon as you start college, you have to stay until you're a junior, okay? Which is basically the same rule in the NFL. 
uh, and with college football. Basketball is the only one where you can be one and done, right? Um, as far as just going into the draft, the NBA will take you in the draft. So, so Mo, I, I don't ever think would see that because an 18-year-old kid is not a 21-year-old kid that's been through a college program, including weightlifting, including nutrition, including growth, just maturity as you, as you age and, and become a full-grown man takes some time. So I don't think we'll ever see that. As far as the run counts go, I don't see how that could work. Look, there's nothing wrong with these guys. I understand the empathy for them to say, well, geez, these guys, oh, they're doing this. But again, it's the market demand. It's supply and demand. As long as there's running backs coming in every year, I don't see it changing anytime soon unless we go back to 1950s, 60s football uh, like Vince Lombardi and the, the the five yards in a cloud of dust. I just don't ever see it happening, Mo. Yeah, I don't see them changing the rule for one position. Right. So you, I don't think they're going to be this, – this rule for running backs that you can come out of high school and everyone else you got to do three <laughs> years or, you know, has to stay three years of college. It's just, that's just not going to happen. One rule is not going to differentiate from one position to another. But someone brought up an idea that – and I don't think this is going to happen either, but someone brought up the idea – why not they just get rid of the franchise tag for running backs? And again, that goes mm. back to my argument that they're not going to give special, you know, treatment to one position over another. It's just not going to happen, though. It would make sense because then the running backs can test for agency uh, without without the, the fear of being tagged. And someone else said, why not running backs come into the league? Their rookie contract is only two years instead of four, because the point is made that the running back's best years are consumed by that rookie contract. So if they're out of their contract after the first two years, just still, you know, 24, 25 years old, still in, in the peak of their prime, and teams aren't looking at them like, oh, that guy has too much mileage, four years of mileage of 250-plus carries versus two years of 250-plus carries. Teams will look at that guy sideways and they still pay him. But it, it's just hard to give, again, going back to my point, it's just hard to give, one set of guidelines for one position and everyone right. else is following a different set of guidelines. And not only that, but I have to remind people that remember the NFL players are in a union, the NFL players association. Mm -hmm. They negotiated this. They negotiated the structure of the franchise tag, how it works, the contracts. Cause remember the NFL was having problems. Teams, there was not a competitive balance in the league because of the way contracts were structured. In the past, guys were getting massive bonuses coming out of college, and, and contracts were all over the place. So they had to rein that in for the health of the game, by the way. So the players and the owners, there's give and take. Yes, the owners have more power. You can demonize the owners if you want, but they own the businesses. The bottom line is the NFL players voted for this system. Does it hurt running backs? You could argue yes because of that contract issue. But Mo, it's not. It's like saying, "Hey, I will buy that car for five thousand dollars," and then you buy it and drive it off the lot and say, "Whoa, wait a minute! Now it needs tires or it needs this. I need you to give me some more money back for that car because I didn't know all these issues were going to have." It doesn't work that way. It, they made a it's collective bargaining agreement. It's good for eight years, okay, and it's only in mm -hmm. its second year, third year, third year, third year. You got five more years before they even talk about negotiating a new con a contract. And again. Remember how many players there are in the NFL. They're not going to bend over backwards for one position. They're just not going to do it. Do you remember the running back Zoom meeting that they had? Yes. Uh, this is before Saquon Barkley went and signed his modified franchise tag with the Giants. 
And I think it was Nick Chubb who basically said, there's nothing we can do. And, and it goes back to what you said. There's a collective bargaining agreement that was made, and you can't you can't change that until it's up. So the running backs have, unfortunately, not a fair world for everyone. Running backs are going to have to, you know, clench their teeth and suck it up for yeah. another half a decade. Yeah, and we had we had somebody on the chat the other night on YouTube talking about, well, why wide receivers are getting off? They don't more value. Wide receivers don't get as many touches of the football, and they get all the money. It's like, I don't tell you. Look at look. Kim Kardashian makes a lot more money than I do. What does she really do? Okay. Did she go to college? Does she have discernible skills? Does she know a trade? I know what you're going to say. Just keep that to yourself because it's too adult. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> she, yeah, she yeah. has some skill sets maybe, but they're not, they're not. Oh, my goodness. But anyway, my point, though, is the world is never fair. It's never going to be fair. And so you have to work within the system. The NFL has a system. The Players Association has a system, and they're not going to change it for the four or five running backs on every team. No, there's more, there's more players throughout the league at every other position than running back, and they're just not going to do it. They're just not going to make an exception for them. Not going to happen. So anyway, but I appreciate the question. Scott, if you want to get on Kim Kardashian's level, there is a way, but you know, you, you, may, be, you may have to risk your job security to do it. Oh, saying. no, no, no. That's okay. Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> to, to be a celebrity today, I saw some video of some guy jumping in oil today. He thought it was a good idea to get likes on Instagram or something. And then it starts burning all of his orifices, and he's not feeling so good. So what people will do for fame, yeah. What people will do for fame is pretty insane these days. But thank you, Raider Worm 1, Emmanuel, for your email, except for the ending. And, and keep I'll putting ketchup you, on your hot dog, Emmanuel, no, if you are. I'll see you on ESPN1320 on Tuesday uh, with D'Lo and KC. All right. We go to our friend Gary Harkin-Reader again, of course, because Gary is on our Mount Rushmore, and he is uh, got a question today. He says, hey, I watched the show today. I think he was talking about uh, Tuesday. Also read your piece on Trey Tucker. He may be simply trying too hard. Eh, could happen. I think so. Um, anyway, my take is that I think Jermaine Illuminor is the Raiders' new Denzel Good. <laughs> Mumford starts at right tackle, Heron is gone because Dave Moneyball Ziegler keeps Curtis and Wagner. Later, Gary. I'm going to let you take this one, Mo, because I know you disagree with all of that. Yeah, I don't know where to start, <laughs> Gary Harkin Reader. And you, you brought it up when you talked about the right tackle spot. While I do believe, I think that Dave Mumford's had a pretty good preseason, I think he had to have a good preseason and – Jermaine Illuminar had to take a step back or show some regression for Mumford to win that job. And I don't think Jermaine Illuminar has, has skipped a beat after having a pretty good 2022 season. So I think Jermaine Illuminar holds on to the right guards, right tackle spot. And Thayer Mumford is the first off of the sideline. Now, as far as it goes with, I do agree with Gary saying that McClendon Curtis makes it. So we do have some common ground there. But with Dalton Wagner, I think he goes to the practice squad. Uh, Dalton yeah. Wagner has been exclusively at right tackle. So are the Rays going to keep three right tackles? Mm. And I know Jermaine Illuminar has some position versatility where he can play outside, he can play left tackle. But if Dalton Wagner had played left tackle during the preseason, I would say, yeah, he could, play, he could probably make the roster there. But to me, it seems like Justin Heron is the is the is going to be the backup left tackle now that Brandon Parker's on IR. Jackson Barton used to be that guy. Now he's on the Arizona Cardinals. 
remember, just keep in mind, Heron played under Josh McDaniels in New England. He had a serious knee injury last year. He's coming back off of a serious knee injury, and he has Patriot ties. I'm not saying that automatically grandfathers him into a roster spot, but being that he's been pro- the primary guy behind, not behind, but as the left tackle this year left with Colt tackle. Miller out, yep, he's probably going to make the roster and be Colt Miller's backup in the regular season. All right, Mo got me. He finished right when I was drinking my Gatorade. Um, Gary, as always, man, we appreciate you. Thank you very much for your notes. And by the way, Gary sends multiple emails a week, which I enjoy because he's always got good stuff and it's funny. Sometimes it's just stuff between him and I, uh, but he is a great, great listener and a good friend to Mo and I. So we appreciate it. And Gary, even though we disagree, we'll see. We'll see who's right, man. We have we're common. We're on common ground with McClendon Curtis. So I'm, yes. I'm pulling for McClendon Curtis to ground. make it. We got some common ground. We'll see how the tackle positions shake out, though, because a lot of fans actually, Raider fans out there, disagree with me about Justin Harrell making the roster. Yeah, I don't. I, I see what you've seen, and I, I like it. All right, our last mail of the day. It's a short one, but we'll get to it here, and it's to Mo. It says, Mo, Hunter Renfro, trade or nah? What can we get for him if we are to trade him? That's Dave in San Jose. Dave in San Jose, thanks for your mail. Mo, what do you think? Hunter Renfro, we talked a little bit about it earlier. What do you think? You said one time it was 90, then it went down to 50%. What do you think now with what you're seeing, like with the Jets and some of these other teams really starving for wide receivers, especially in the slot spot? I'm going 40% now mm-hmm. because if you read the reports, Hunter Renfro is banged up. I don't, yeah. th- I, don't know if you, I don't know if you saw Tashawn Reed tweeted this, that he was on the practice field, but he was wearing a red jersey. No, that's the no contact jersey. Usually mean a player is hurt or dealing with some type of injury. What team is going to trade for Hunter Renfro now that they have to pay a fully guaranteed contract and he's banged up again? He was banged up right. last Coming year. Coming off an injury last ba- year. Right. And he's banged up again. So that hurts his trade value. Yeah. Now, the, unless the team is completely desperate, maybe the Jets feel like, you know, we're fine with Hunter Renfro. If he's banged up for the first two, three weeks of the season, we just want him on the roster for the long haul because they have Super Bowl aspirations. But other than that, I, I don't I, his his trade value just keeps taking hits. He's coming off of an injury riddle season, didn't have a lot of production, didn't see him in the preseason, and now he's hurt again. Yeah. I don't think I, they're gonna if, I, if, if if they do trade him straight up, you're getting a day three pick for him. Right. Probably a fifth rounder, which is what he was coming out of Clemson. Right. And so that that's where I think the decision comes down, Mo, is because of the money, the fourteen million, they're gonna have to decide do we risk keeping him? Meaning, if there's not a lot of if there's not a lot of interest out there, do we risk keeping him, or do we try to find a partner who'll give us anything, and so we can offload, even though they're going to take some of the hit, offload the salary because that that's what it comes down to, and it's un, it's unfortunate because um, early on it seemed like he was really really doing well in camp and all the ports, which is great because all the other teams, all the other GMs, they're seeing the same reports we are. And then it suddenly came to a halt with with the red jersey and the and the the being held out of contact. Uh, so we'll see. And he hasn't played any game, as you said. So there's no live action. There's nothing to go by. No recency, which definitely hurts his value. So I think Dave in San Jose, um, I, I might I, I might move mine to fifty percent, Mo. But but I think fifty percent is as high as you can go right now, based on the facts that you just gave. If if the talk about Hunter Renfro is that whatever he's going through right now is minor. 
I could see a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl caliber team still acquiring him because they're saying we don't need him necessarily for week one to four. Right. We need him for the playoffs. As long as he's healthy by the time we get to January, we're yeah. fine with that. That's the only way I see him getting moved. And even <clears> then, you may have to package him with a draft pick, maybe package him with a fifth or fourth round pick to get a higher draft pick. Right. But with with the way Trey Tucker's had his ups and downs, and if you're not going to use DeAndre Carter much as, as a slot wide receiver, then you kind of need Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I, I've come off of that, that strong prediction that he's definitely going to get moved. While I still think it's a possibility he could be moved, it... it as I said, his market just keeps dropping by the week with, with the injury and just seeing what he did last year, which wasn't much. Right. And I think, you, like you said, they would sort of need him. I think Jacoby Myers there, obviously. But I think, too, and I know it's starting from Jets fans and Jets websites and shows talking about Hunter Renfro because they're in desperate need. But they also have the, cal- the salary cap space. So it's not a bad guess of a spot that might be open for him to go to or, or a team that might be interested. We don't know for sure. We're not reporting that. We're just saying it would make a lot of sense there. So we'll see. But anyway, Dave, thanks again for your message. Always good stuff. Time to close out the show. I know we went a little long today, but we had the roster to go through and the great interview with Ted. Uh, man, we are just kicking it. I'm telling you, I love our <laughs> listeners and our our viewers just giving us great ideas for content trying to bring you great guests so you guys enjoy the show. And the feedback's been great, Mo. I'm proud of what we're doing here. I'm proud of you and what you're doing with the T-shirts. I should say we're doing with the T-shirts, getting charity. I didn't show them on the show, but remember, go buy your Midtown Mo shirts. Go buy your Irish Cannon shirts. $4 from each one goes to the One Nation Foundation, Murph, Swag Jeff, and Michelle, and what they do for Raider Dad, what they do for the Blitnikoff Foundation, and others. So make sure you go do that. Also, DC4L Custom Tees. Of course. Uh, that's, that's the guy that's pushing the merch. If, if you want to find it, that's where you're going to find it, DC4LCustomTees.com. Yes. And by the way, if you go and you uh, order anything on their site, so you want to go order a different Raider shirt, I mean, of course, you're going to toss in our shirts. I say our shirts because we're promoting them <laughs> and it was our idea, but it's all going to charity. We don't make a cent off it, by the way. But if you want to order one of his other killer Raider Nation T-shirts... Because you listen to or watch Silver and Black Tay is going to give you 10% off. So you just use SNB today as the, the, the discount code on any shirt and you get a 10% discount. So make sure you do that. So we're, we're giving you. So go buy it. With the discount you save, you can buy another shirt and help out a charity. It's just it's a win-win. I love it. For the, for the people on the Northeast Coast whose kids are going back to school very soon. I know Hoodies. New York City has. I know your, your, your kids have already started up, but. In New York City, we you know we don't start until after Labor Day. If you want to get your kids something for back to school, I know it's not the most snazziest shirt, but I mean a it midtown mo shirt would be pretty sweet to wear on the first day of school. And, and by the way, I'm he did saying. he did put up their hoodies. There's hoodies up there, uh-huh. and for the young moms out there who we know like to watch Mo, um, <laughs> they have little kitty ones. So there you go. They have like toddler stuff. I mean. Imagine a little toddler like learning how to walk in a Midtown Mo hoodie. Yeah, I dig that. A little redhead kid with an Irish cannon sweatshirt on. Top it up, giving to you. We're giving you all the ideas here at Silver Black today. We're just Covering coming it up. We're just pulling it out of you nowhere. But anyway, we love it. We appreciate you guys. We love you. We appreciate you listening and watching the show this August. 
has been massive for us. We can't believe how many of you are listening to the show. It's just been huge, the growth uh, over last year at this time. So we want to thank you guys for all of that uh, as we put in the hard work, and you guys certainly appreciate it. For those of you that don't like us, thank you for watching anyway because you're there and we love it. So we, we know you're part of that too, so thank you. Uh, all right, Mo, what do you got coming the rest of uh, this week? I mean, obviously, we got tomorrow's Friday. I know you have your post game with, with Bleacher Report. What else you got going? Got my post game with Bleacher Report, and I'll just pop on with, with you and Murph and just kick it with you guys after the game and just kind of wrap up the preseason, hoping for a another win. I know people don't care about wins in the preseason, but the Ravens lost to the Washington Commanders on Monday. So that means the Raiders have the yes. longest preseason win streak yes. at six. Yes. I know it doesn't mean anything because it's the preseason, but got to celebrate your victories as they come. So I'll pop the, on with you guys after the game. And maybe we celebrate proper champagne bottle or something like that. <laughs> the preseason Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, gotta what? Celebrate the, something. the sports books lost a lot of money. Or I should say won a lot of money won a lot off of, money. of yeah. the Ravens losing. So don't say it doesn't matter. When it comes to gaming, it matters. Trust me. As Kelly Kreiner would say, who bets on everything, including like baby races. Anyway, we're going to... Total races, anything he can find. I remember, (laughs) real quick, like two seconds, sorry. During COVID, everything shut down and where, and I'll protect his, his privacy here, but where Kelly works, they have some TVs there. And I go in to see him and because, you know, it's illegal to talk to people without a mask during that time. So anyway, I go in to see him and he's like betting on like Serbian table tennis. Now he'll correct me because he'll wow. listen to this and he'll tell me what it was. It was table tennis or something like that. But he's betting on it because it was the only thing you could bet on. Oh, you got to love Kelly. Ke- Kelly, look, fantasy football is coming. We're going we're gonna to have the league again because I know some people yes. have asked. Oh, the I'm league is coming. The, the draft is coming up. Yeah. So just I gotta remember set that. that. Keep that in mind. I got to send that. I got to send a message. I will send that message out today to all of you that have been in the league. So we'll do that. All right. <laughs> uh, also, reminder here, Murph and I will be here, as will Mo, towards the tail end of the show uh, after the game. So after the Cowboys game against the Raiders, we will be live again in all the channels we're live in, which include YouTube, best place, for, I, I think, to watch it because you can be part of the chat there. It'll be live in Rumble. It'll be live in Twitter and also in Twitch. So wherever you want to watch it, you can watch it and participate, but we'll be there to talk about it after the game. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you don't already do it, put on the auto download for us. Also, subscribe wherever you're watching us and hit the notifications bell, including on YouTube, so you get notified uh, whenever we're ready to go. Mo, I will talk to you on Saturday night. Hopefully after a win, seven straight for the Raiders in the preseason. I know a lot of you don't care, but (laughs) there are some people out there that do. Lucky seven. seven. It's a harbinger. Yes, look it up. Okay. For (laughs) Mo Moten, for our crack, I can't say crack again. We got in trouble with that. Uh, For our producer, (laughs) our really good producer, Mike Robier, and for me, Scott Gobranson, your host, this has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on Sunday mornings on The Bet in Las Vegas. That's our radio show. We appreciate you guys being with us. And remember, be good to one another, Raider Nation. We will talk to you on Saturday night.